Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NFL show season two, episode four, and we're excited to be here and talk all things NFL. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, supported by the best panel in the business. Guys, let's get straight into our listener question for the week, and is who is your favorite NFL player and why? Um, Stacey, you going to start with you? Yeah, I'm going to kick this off and go local just so I, we can sort of, you know, highlight the fact that, you know, guys from Australia can actually make it in the NFL. So I have to I have to rep Adam Gotsis. Uh, you know, if you guys don't know too much about him. He's an Aussie. He played AFL. He played for the Monash Warriors down in Victoria, played for um, the Outback, went to Georgia Tech got signed by the Broncos. He was there for four years, and then now he's at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Granted, the Jags weren't so great this year, but the fact that he's been able to step through the ranks in not just that punter position um, and playing that you know defensive tackle uh, role, like I think that's a real testament to the style of athletes that we've got down in Australia. So Gotsis, you know, he's doing it hard. He's, he's going out there. He's had a, a pretty good season this year. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to have to go with him as my favorite player at the moment. Yeah, love that. Definitely a production line of talent coming through uh, from Australia, and it's uh, it's definitely great to see. Uh, Beck, favorite player? This is a hard one for me because I feel like there are so many standout players that we love to watch and we love to hype. Um, but for me, it's Tyler Lockett, the receiver at Seattle Seahawks. I've I've watched him grow from a rookie into a veteran on that team, and I just think watching him play and the impact that he has on and off the field for that offense is just incredible. And the connection that he has made between him and Russell Wilson out there on the field as well is one that you will never see again. So just like I said, watching him grow as a player from a rookie to a veteran in that team and just his ability. He's a crazy athlete. He's got speed. He's got great hands. He's reliable. He's, yeah, he's fun to watch. Yeah, look, for me, uh, I'd love to say my quarterback in Mac Jones, but we're just, we're on a bit of a break at the moment. We're still kind of working through a few things after a bit of a disappointing playoff performance. But no, look, he's been great. But uh, my favorite player is actually JC Jackson. And I, I think this is what I love about the NFL is that half of the NFL are undrafted free agents. And that's exactly what JC Jackson uh, is all about. He's an outstanding uh, player in our secondary. And, you know, you think about losing a player like Stephon Gilmore, Things just went wrong for us there with injuries, a bit of a contract situation. He was a great star player. And, uh, you know, Bill Belichick's ability to kind of just plug in a guy like Jackson and, you know, sort of develop him slowly. And he's been absolutely outstanding. So, yeah, still 26 years of age, best footballs ahead of him. Um, Certainly made some huge plays this year and um, really looking forward to what he can do in the future. Uh, Alex, talk to us about this one. Uh, Again, bit of a difficult one for you to pick one of your yeah, I guess one Bears player, but uh, yeah, who's your favorite Bears player? I could have picked a non-Bears player, but it wasn't going to happen. Um, could have. Um, for me, like I love all the Bears players. You know, I love David Montgomery and, and you know, Allen Robinson and Jimmy Graham. But I got – I, I don't really – Huh? Sure. <laughs> you know what? Props to Andy Dalton for this season. I got. I gave him a lot of flack. Give him credit where credit's due. So that's my bit on that one. I love Justin Fields. 
from Ohio State, watching him there and being an Ohio State fan and watching him and just kind of command that team there to being then drafted by the Bears, who was my NFL team, and to know that he has a lot of potential as a player. And I'm excited to see where he goes. Whether he stays with the Bears, I hope that he does. That would be great for me. Uh, I'll still get his jersey wherever he goes, but i got to rep my Bears where I can. But I think just having him go from my favorite college team to my favorite NFL team and him just being like a player that I just love to watch in general. Um, and he, I think he has so much potential. So I'm excited to see where he goes in his career. But for me, my favorite player right now is Justin Fields. All right, guys, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. How about those trees? A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Those will be the best memories. Yeah, and this week on the huddle, a pretty special team we're going to be uh, featuring, and that is Stacey's beloved Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Stacey's been uh, plugging them all year, and uh, they're definitely uh, excited about the season that they've had. Stacey, going to start there. Uh, it's still, and, and I say this most weeks, it still feels weird to talk about the Bengals as one of as one of the top franchises in the competition. If we if we play a little bit of history, so obviously um, they're originally owned by Paul Brown. Uh, it's now owned by the son Mike, who's you know he's eighty six himself. But one of the things that Mike's pretty well known for is being a bit of a cheap owner, comparative to some of the billionaires that are out there. I mean, there's funny stories out there where you know there were Bengals players that had to sort of share jock straps and. All sorts of amazing things. And if you look at that stadium compared to SoFi, we're not exactly, uh, yeah, I guess it's not exactly a modern stadium. Um, Fight through all of that. And in one draft, you can turn an entire franchise around. Talk to us about why you, I guess, jumped on the Bengals so early on in the season and what you've seen from this team. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's been one draft. Obviously, we're picking up Joe Burrow, um, you know, from his draft class and then obviously going out. And I think what they've done was so smart by going back to LSU, finding the receiver in Jamar Chase, where they've got this amazing connection, this chemistry that takes years to build, to bring him over, just gives Burrow that more more confidence, I think, to lead the offense. And he's just got so much swagger about him. Like for such a young kid, it seems like no situation or no moment is too big for him, which I really like. But, I mean, at the same time, they've really just kind of been plugging this team with these amazing players. I mean, you can't talk about the Bengals and not talk about Joe Mixon. You can't talk about the Bengals and not talk about T Higgins. Uh, You know, there's just... There's just a whole heap of players out there that I really like the look of. And the surprise to me was more of the defense. Um, you know, Awuzie coming in at the secondary position and Eli Apple um, making a big play uh, over the last couple of weeks. I just think they're they're quite well balanced, especially on both sides of the ball. And I think that that's what makes them the most dangerous. Plus, again, you've got that swag and that X factor. So, yeah, it, it, the Bengals are, are where it's at right now. And it's it's just it's such a good narrative for the for the city. And they're, and they're definitely a top offense, but I think what's interesting is like they're a top young offense. And I think when you look at the young offenses kind of like around the board, yes, that Jamar Chase and Joe Barrow's connection is huge. And as you mentioned, you know, Tyler Boyd is in that, that conversation as well. But then as you mentioned, you got Joe Mixon and T Higgins as well, who are solid young players. But I think 
this is the way to do it. I think they've done the draft right in getting Joe Burrow as a good quarterback, as you mentioned, going back to LSU and, and getting those players. But like, I think this is a testament show that you don't have to draft first round to get solid young picks. And I, I mean, not to like plug my own mentions that I've had, but as I've mentioned in the past, like, <laughs> go. We, can't go, we can't go one episode, can oh, we? Man. We just can't. Second round, third round, get those young guys who want to learn, who will put in the effort and will go to bat for you. And I think that's the big thing with this team is they've done that the right way, right? They've kind of gone, okay, we'll utilize the first pick the way we want to. We'll go and get Jamar Chase so that we can have that receiver quarterback situation with 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 Burrows, especially with him coming back off an injury that definitely I think has helped with his confidence for sure um after his his kind of knee injury but then you also get kids in those later rounds that they just want to play football like they're willing to do whatever you tell them and I think sometimes that's the best way to go because you can mold players like that you can mold your offense because with those guys that just want to play football that just want that opportunity I think you will get more out of those players and they're cheaper than you will of players that, you know, uh, have been around for a while or got a big ego. I think it, it also takes away that ego aspect too, where you've got guys who are like, Hey, look, I'll go back. I'll go to bat for you. If you go to bat for me. I think what was quite interesting about this team as well is coming into the season, we had no idea what we were going to expect, right? Like, like you said, Joe Burrows is coming off a pretty big injury. We weren't sure how he was going to recover from that and how he was going to come out and play. And then Jamar Chase having that, awful preseason where he just couldn't catch a ball we were and the team like you said is heavily relying on that connection from their past days at LSU heavily relying on that to come out and kind of start their season so you know it was really surprising for all of us I think at the beginning of the season to see this Bengals team be good and then to consistently be great throughout the season I think it's been like fun to watch but surprising at the same time. And I think what's really good, and it's something that we've spoken about with other teams, is that that level of difference between their firsts and their seconds are actually pretty small. Like you take out Joe Mixon out of a game and, you know, P. Ryan comes in and, and he does the exact same kind of job. The same thing with, uh, you know, if Jamar Chase is is not the number one target, then you have to watch out for T. Higgins. You have to watch out for Tyler Boyd. You have to watch out for CJ Ozma. And it's just, it's that multifaceted kind of balanced kind of team that we've been talking about is the key to being consistent and winning a Super Bowl. And I think you got to give props to their coach as well, you know, and Zach Taylor, who's done really well. You know, he came out of, I think it was the Rams where he was a wide receiver and a quarterback coach. And I think you've, and he's got very experienced assistant coaches around him as far as their DC and the OC go. You know, this is Zach Taylor's, he's got 14 years experience. So they've got that experience there. And I think they've got the right experience where they need it. And I think you can see that kind of relationship with Zach Taylor that he has with Joe Burrows and his receiving core because it is a standout. It's a standout part of their offense, and I think that's a true testament to Zach Taylor and kind of the program that that, that he runs for the Bengals right now. Yeah, he's he's done really well. I, I think there was a, there was some better candidates out there. If I'm perfectly honest, I, I think there's still some out there at the moment who'll probably um, get, get head coaching jobs uh, during this cycle. Who probably, yeah, I was, I was very surprised when he got the role, but um, yeah, obviously he's uh, he's performed quite well. Uh, Beck, let's just quickly uh, talk a little bit about Joe Burrows because 
you know, I, I've been trying to to figure out what makes this guy different because, you know, physically, you know, he's not the best athlete we've ever seen, but I think it comes down to his intangibles. One of the things that's a little bit depressing for our amazing college athletes is the better you play in college, the the worst franchise that you'll go and play for. And, you know, you, you, you see players, and I, and I think about a guy like Trevor Lawrence who was supposed to come in and be this generational talent who could... I guess take on any franchise and sort of uplift it. We've seen his struggles. I guess for me, one of the one of the key differences that I've seen from Joe Burrows is he's come in to an awful franchise. We 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 spoke a little bit about the history behind the Bengals. They have been cheap. They've been one of the poorly run franchises, but he's just put this entire team on his back. And uh, yeah, it, it, it I guess it just goes to show his incredible leadership at such a young age. Yeah, it definitely does say something about him, not just as a player, but as a person in the locker room. Like his team obviously wants to play really hard for him and build around him, but also he's putting in a lot of time and effort and training and getting better and working hard alongside of all of his coaches and his players to be better. Um, And, I mean, I think, like you said, coming into a horrible losing streak franchise as the first round pick in any draft, there's a lot of pressure on you as a quarterback to come out and perform and do great and lift a franchise and make a team better. And I think Joe Burrows has kind of just like taken that in his stride as like, this is my job rather than like under pressure and under scrutiny and taking a whole load on himself. I feel like he's done a really good job at balancing it between him and his team and the coaches. And I think Burroughs' development too. I mean, he was he was at, you know, Alex's Ohio State for a little while when he was in college and, you know, left there to go play at LSU. And I swear, you know, that the photo of him just sitting there after they won the natty and he's sitting there with this this cigar in his mouth. Like you're like, man, that guy's a dude. You know, and he's he's a winner. And I think that those are the intangibles that, you know, that teams really can really get behind. And especially when you're that quarterback position, you are that leader. You want to play for a winner. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Be like really calm, cool, collected, very casual kind of player if you are going to be that number one pick going into a franchise to turn it around. I don't think Trevor Lawrence quite has that persona yet, which is why I think he struggled this year. I think Joe Burrow showed a lot of maturity at his time at the Bengals so far. He's also an Ohio boy. Like he grew up in Athens, Ohio. So like for him to be able to, I said Ohio boy, not Ohio State, for those shaking their heads right now. Like, that's two and a half hours from Cincinnati. So he probably grew up with, like, the Browns and the Bengals. So it's probably, like, a huge honor for him to be able to play for kind of his home state. Yeah, absolutely. Local guy um, does well. All right, guys, well, time for our predictions now. So as we speak, the Bengals are still alive in the playoffs. So the question that I've got for you is – I want to I want to hear your thoughts on this Super Bowl window because we've spoken about how young this team is. So the question is, can they win a Super Bowl this year? If not, what does that kind of look like for them over the next couple of years? Uh, Beck, going to start with you. Can the Bengals win a Super Bowl this year, or what does that look like for them moving forward? I mean, I feel like they have some pretty tough games against some experienced teams to come up against in order to win a Super Bowl. Um, they have so much potential over on that team, so many players that stand out. But I just, I think they just need a little bit more experience to be able to get that Super Bowl win. I don't know if this year is their year, but I think they will definitely build on it throughout the next season or two and have potential to get back there and win a Super Bowl. They just need a little bit more time. Alex, and- uh, 
Yeah, no, that, that, that's a great point. And Alex, uh, same question to you. Let's talk Bengals. Let's talk Super Bowl. What does it kind of look like for you? Because to, to Beck's point, the AFC, it, it's stacked. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm with Beck on that one. I don't think they have the experience right now. I think they've got some tough games. And I think they need a little bit of like kind of grit and fight behind them. Like I, I know they've kind of come into the season. They've gone, hey, look, we're great. We're smashing all these records. Look at us. Woo-hoo. Like it, it's great and it's fun and all. But I think when you lose a playoff game, it, it, it humbles you and it makes you think about the game very differently. And I think for a young team, I think they need that, right? They need to kind of have it be almost, and then we go, okay, well, next year we're going to grind and fight and battle, and we're going to kind of dig deep for and maybe get there. I don't see them winning it this year. I think it's going to take them maybe one or two, three years maybe, but I think it's definitely in their future with definitely Joe Bars behind. I don't know. I think he might have to wait till Brady retires. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Look, uh, th- that was kind of my number. I was thinking about three years. Um, you just think about, you know, once you get that quarterback position set, you can then just go out in the draft with free agents and you can just continue to add slowly but surely. You can coach up your team. So you think about where this team's going to be in two to three years' time and, and that's kind of where you, you sort of see them be able to take that next step. So a uh, few years for me. Stacey, um, again, you are on this train earlier than all of us uh, when it comes to Cincinnati. Um, yeah, what, what does it look like for, for this team as um, these Bengals fans are desperate to try and uh, to try and win that elusive Super Bowl? I mean, this this season wasn't supposed to happen. Good things don't happen to the Bengals. I mean, it's it's never it, it's not a, it's not a thing. So I think once once you find your quarterback, things are possible that previously weren't. So I have to hold a little bit of belief that they could potentially make it and kind of be that next generation coming through. And I mean, if you're looking at how the playoff or the Super Bowl picture looks right now, I mean, we're going to have the age old story of Aaron Rodgers potentially versus Aaron um, Tom Brady. I mean, I think I think it needs to happen. We need a new breed in there, new, young, fresh, and I just think that they've got something that a lot of other teams don't. So I'm 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 going that they could potentially go all the way, but if they don't, I mean, they're definitely contenders for the next year or two. All right, guys, let's jump into our next segment for tonight: the match, the most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to. Yeah, and this week we've got an interesting match for you as we debate the two conferences, AFC v. NFC, uh, which is the tougher conference. And Alex, I'm going to start with you because it, it is a really interesting concept when you think about it because sometimes it is a bit of a luck of the draw in terms of you know how difficult your division is, how difficult your conference is. It makes a huge difference. I mean, I'm a Patriot supporter. Even I have to be honest that... You know, the AFC East hasn't exactly been uh, been too difficult for the Patriots in the past. And, um, yeah, I, I guess talk to us a little bit about the, this whole concept because it um, definitely makes a huge difference and it is something that's a little bit, uni- little bit unique to the NFL. Yeah, I think it's kind of fascinating. I like this year that they've kind of bought – well, they bought in that you had to play that extra game against where you finished up. And I thought that was a great addition to it. Cause I think it gives you more experience. I think you are able to play other teams. Cause I think there's sometimes when you look at the NFC and the AFC, you kind of go, Oh, I wish the bears could play such and such. And they don't get that opportunity to, and you think like you look at some matchups, you think, Oh, that matchup would be so cool. Or you take like your two bottom teams of the league and you go, Oh, like, are they really that, like, are they really the worst two teams in the league? Like, and it's, it's kind of fun to watch it that way. But 
I think that's sometimes the downside to the AFC and NFC is that you are kind of constricted to just playing within that division. So I do like the fact that they've done it this past year where they've added that extra team from the opposite side that finished in your same position and you get to play them. Because I think that like for the Bears this past year, it was the Raiders. And that was a really fun game to watch as a Bears fan uh, and to see that play. Because I think I thought they were pretty evenly matched there and I thought it was a really good game to watch. So it's it's fascinating how many teams there are in the NFL, um, but also just it's kind of the standard across the board is fun to watch too because there are times where the AFC some years where the AFC has just been ridiculously strong and some years where the NFC has been really really strong. So I think and it's great that it's able to fluctuate that way, especially when Brady goes from the AFC to the NFC. I feel like you make like a really good point in terms of like scheduling and stuff like that, because it could definitely make or break a season depending on the schedule that you come up against, because you play different teams every single year besides your conference, like who you're, who's in your division. You could play one team one year and then not play them again for another four or five years. So it definitely does make a difference. And I think where you sit within the league as a, like a real team, because you might not necessarily come up against the hard teams or as a, as a not so, you know, team that's not doing so well throughout the season, you might be playing the top, top five teams, multiple times it just it, it's kind of like a fairness but not a fairness the way that they do it it's interesting and I think too that like you know this year was like like the NFL's worst nightmare when it came to the playoff brackets I mean it all came down to that Chargers Raiders game and I think for the entire for the, everyone's seasons to come down to one game like it just goes to show how tight a lot of the divisions were this year, which I think is really fascinating. And adding in that extra game, I think, freshened things up a little bit. I want to say freshened things up a little bit. Um, but also it just, like like Beck said, you know, sometimes you have a good year, sometimes you have a bad year, and it kind of just depends on where you come in and, and how you are based on your strength. Yeah, and I think that, like, people, like multiple seasons coming out of that one game, I think that's what makes this game fun. That's what makes this game. That's what makes this game cool. Because if you are those middle ground teams where you're sitting nine and eight, you're sitting eight and nine. You know, you're that. And there's quite a few teams that sit in the middle pack there. You know, and your game comes down to whether somebody wants to give it a tie or somebody wants to go for the winning field goal. Like that's a huge deal. And when you're watching it on TV and they pan up to the GM rooms, like, oh, they've got the 49ers game up on there because they're paying attention to what's going on 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 there. So I definitely think that's what makes football great. But I think that's what's fun too, is that I think this year it's kind of hard to pick your Super Bowl winner because it's been so even across the board and so many games have come down to those last minute that this has probably been like the most fun I've had watching all games this season as far as the other ones. Cause in the last couple of seasons, you kind of go, okay, well we all know the Pats are going to win it's been- or we all know the Bucks are going to weird. So it's, it's kind of nice to sit here and go, I have no idea. Yeah. It's been so competitive. That's for sure. And you know, Alex, it's, it's a difficult question to answer, you know, AFC v, v NFC, because there has been that, that parody unlike, unlike previous seasons. Look for me, I'm going to jump in first and I'm going to say, I'm going to say AFC, but uh, I guess there are still limitations. But if I look at the AFC, for me, what stood out is is just these young star quarterbacks. Um, you know that that's obviously you know going to be the big difference for me. If we look at the AFC East, you know you've got Josh Allen uh, in the AFC West. You've got Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, 
Uh, the AFC North, you've got Joe Burrows, who sort of popped up. I think we haven't heard the last of Lamar Jackson. I think people have sort of forgotten about him as a player. Um, something special needs to occur for Lamar next year. So for me, that's pretty important. Uh, the AFC South, not so much. I think there's some struggles happening there in that conference. But hey, you know, we, we did hear a lot about this Trevor Lawrence uh, superstar. So so maybe over the next few years, we can see something there. So look, for me, it's the AFC. Um, Beck, what about yourself? AFC, NFC, where are you going here? Look, I'm going with the NFC, not because Seattle plays in the NFC, because when you look at the teams that are within the conference, they all have a really overall good winning streak team. Like you look at like the Cowboys, the Cardinals, the Rams, the Packers, the Saints, you know, now Tampa Bay, Seattle have had a really good win. Vikings. Don't forget the Vikings. Vikings. Like nearly every single team within that NFC have good records of being strong, dominant teams at one point in the season or not. So for me, I think the NFC is just a little bit more stronger than the AFC at the moment. Stacey? Yeah, I'm going to go the AFC on this one just because like when you look at those conference games, like, and talking as like a Pats fan, like I hate it when we come up against Miami because like they, they're, they're horrible, but they beat us. Like, and it's just, it, it's just one of those things. And so when you look at the AFC, like looking at, you know, the Ravens, the Bengals, the Browns, the Steelers, I mean, aside from the Steelers having the performance they had this year, you're looking at the Bills, like they're all high performing teams. You've got the Chiefs, you've got the Chargers, you've got the Raiders. And, and I think all those games are entertaining. So I'm going to go with the AFC on this one. And Alex, uh, you may have a bit of a deciding vote here, but uh, it is tricky, isn't it? Because, you know, there are a couple of bottom feeder uh, teams that are still sort of rebuilding and struggling. But, um, yeah, what's your thoughts, AFC or NFC? Um, For me, I'm going to go NFC because I just – you have to go with the quarterbacks from the NFC, right? You've got Aaron Rodgers with the Packers. You've got Tom Brady with the Buccaneers. You know, you've got Dak with the Cowboys. You've got – you had Drew Brees with the Saints. You had – You've got, you know, Russell Westbrook with with Seattle with Seattle. So you Russell do West- have Russell Westbrook? My God. <laughs> <laughs> wrong wrong spot, bro. No, that's all right. You're 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 allowed to you're allowed that one. But, uh, Isn't also- he somewhere near Seattle? <laughs> And uh, and Matt Stafford as well has uh, has wandered yeah, I over. I feel like NFC has so much more experience than AFC at the moment, and I think that's what dominate. Like that's what comes down to playoff games and Super Bowl games. Is that yeah? It's- but you've also like in the NFC, you've also got like the Giants and the Lions who are just horrendous. And in the AFC, you have the Jets, the Texans, and the Jaguars. Like I don't. And then you had the Browns for the longest time as well. So you can't. You can't. Like that's from both sides. Yeah, definitely got a definitely got a few franchises that uh, they're going to be looking very very closely at the draft to try and improve. And uh, and to your to your points earlier, um, definitely if you're a fan of the NFL, um, the schedule's already released for next year. Get in there, have a look, see if you got a couple of games against the Jags or the Texans because uh, it could be the difference between you making the playoffs or not. So certainly something to watch. All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Stacey, once the end of the NFL season, well, at the end of the regular season, should I say, you know, one of the things that is quite brutal uh, in the NFL is uh, all of the sackings of the head coaches and their assistants, and I'm sure all of their families. It's uh, it, it's quite a chaotic time in the NFL. But the question I've got for you here in rapid fire is: Who was your biggest shock 
uh, from Black Monday um, when it comes to all those head coaches uh, that were dismissed. Um, yeah, what, what sort of shocked you the most? Um, I was shocked that the Vikings, I think, potentially listened to the episode where I said that they should fire Mike Zimmer uh, and actually fired Mike Zimmer. And, you know, I think that that's only a good thing for the Vikings just because, like, we've spoken about the Vikings all season and, and how they have talent and, you know, Kirk Cousins being the vanilla ice cream of quarterbacks. He still did his job this year. But for me, Mike Zimmer leaving will provide consistency. I think depending on who they fill that that spot with, like they they have to have someone that doesn't butt in to where he's not needed. I mean, the guy was a defensive coach to start with and yet he still tried to, you know, run his own offense and his clock management was horrible and, you know, the draft, he didn't do well in the draft and, and making decisions and his coaching just really wasn't great. So, I mean, I'm glad that they got rid of him. I was just surprised that they actually did. Yeah, uh, very surprising. And I, I don't know if Surly's the right word. Maybe it's him being an asshole to everyone in the organization, but he certainly came across as a very, uh, yeah, a very, a very interesting character for a few years there. A bit, a bit uh, quite cranky. And uh, yeah, definitely when the results uh, weren't coming through, he um, yeah, definitely got, definitely got passed on. Uh, look, for me, biggest shock uh, was the Houston Texans. And, uh, you know, not necessarily shocked that, you know, they're running through coaches because they are completely dysfunctional. But, they were they did David Cully dirty. I mean, you know, obviously coming into this, they knew they were just going to plug him in as an interim, uh, and they were going to look to the future. And I, I just think it's 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 quite brutal um, the fact that he was sort of, I guess, brought in. You know, he's in his sixties. He's been waiting his entire coaching career for an opportunity, um, and uh, you know, he was obviously set up to fail. Obviously, with the Deshaun Watson situation. He was able to get a third-round pick out of um, Stanford and, and kind of put together a season. A couple of upsets here or there. Um, I actually think he'd done a really great job there. But, yeah, I, I guess as long as he knew that, that this was only going to be a one-year gig because, yeah, it definitely – this one smell. I, I really feel like the Texans had this in mind. Bring David in for one year and then they'll go out and, um, and grab a new coach. So, yeah, it just goes to show there's a few sort of cultural issues in and around the Texans at the moment. They can probably save themselves with a huge signing. So, again, the pressure's on to find a really high-quality head coach there in Houston. Uh, Beck, um, thoughts on this one? Again, it's kind of, you know, it's easy for us in the media. You know, it's um, quite interesting to see all of this movement. But, um, yeah, was there one particular uh, decision that shocked you? Yeah, it's interesting when you see what teams let coaches go and what teams hold on to coaches. But for me, it was the Broncos letting go of Vic Fangio. Like, I feel like he's done a really good job as a head coach over the last couple of years there at the Broncos. We've seen them grow a little bit. But when he first went over there, I think they were a a quarterback away from being, you know, a great dominant team. And he just couldn't quite get his mind from defense to offense to be able to pick a great quarterback or they just got unlucky in the draft. They just couldn't fill that position to be able to back that offense and really build on it. Um, But I think he is a great coach. He has so much skill on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think he's completely out of the NFL at the moment. I think um, he will get a job somewhere else as a defensive coach and any team that picks him up is going to be worlds better. Yeah, definitely. He, He certainly won't be without a job for very long. Alex, uh, talk to us about this. Um, you know, Beck, Beck made a really good point. It's like, you know, you, you get shocked by some of these decisions and then there's other franchises who continue to hold on to their coaches and you think, uh, you know, what what is going on there? But, uh, yeah, th- this was quite brutal this year. Uh, a lot of coaches lost their jobs. Um, did Was there one particular one that stood out? For me, it was Brian Flores from Miami. 
I thought that was interesting. He had two years left on his contract. And I don't think that, I mean, okay, when he came in in 2019, Miami went 5-11. 2020, they went 10-6. and six. This last year, they went 9-8. and eight. Okay, they never made the playoffs under him. But it's not like, I think he got the wrong end of the stick or whatever because, like, he got some injuries in 2020 and he had some injuries in 2021. And I think he did the best that he could with what he had. And I think that that Miami defense have been really solid. I mean, he was the D.C. for the Pats. He has won a couple of Super Bowls with the Patriots. He was under Bill Belichick. So, you know, when you look at the coaches that have been under Bill Belichick, they've done okay. Um, but, yeah, this one I'm surprising. I, I think if if I was – I mean, he ended 24 and 25. So not a winning record, but, you know, not horrendous, especially when you're Miami. I think you give him – I would give him another year. See what you get out of the draft. See if you can, you know, elevate the team a little bit more. I mean, they did well with Waddle as far as their wide receiver goes in 2021. But I think he's got a lot of, you know, experience as far as defensively goes. So if he wants to come be the Bears DC, that's fine. Or my fan Gio, if he wants to come back be the Bears DC, that's fine. But bye, Matt Nagy. I think where Brian Flores kind of shot himself in the foot was all that talk about Deshaun Watson and that changing of the culture. Like it was really disappointing to see someone who was so culturally driven to come out and even attempt to try and work that situation. And I think that that was his downfall. And I think the fact that he still wants Deshaun Watson as well, wherever he goes, is is going to be a downfall for him too. Yep, I agree with that one, but... You yeah, know, it's, it's, it is what he likes who he likes. And I can't fault the guy for him. He obviously has a relationship with Deshaun Watson and, and he wants to be able to have him as his quarterback. There's an interesting story there, though. Uh, GM Chris Greer, he's uh, you know, he's one of the more liked uh, GMs in, in the competition. And, and and I guess what we're starting to hear out, out of uh, Miami is that, you know, Brian just tried the Belichick thing. He didn't really get on with people, really struggled to build those relationships, had a lot of assistance. A lot of turnover there. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see where he fits. But at the end of the day, great coach. And I think he's going to, yeah, again, uh, similar to a couple of the other coaches we've spoken about tonight, he won't be without a job for very long. And, Alex, so I, I think Chicago could be a little bit of an option there for Brian. So uh, let's see how that goes. We've interviewed so many people. Who knows who's getting that role? Yeah, no, we'll, we'll be keeping a very, very close eye on that and we'll be, uh, we'll be yeah, definitely getting your thoughts once that's announced. So, yeah, very much looking forward to that. All right, guys, look, that's all the time we have tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel. Always bring the heat as we talk all things NFL. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please continue to download the podcast, share with family and friends, and until next time, we'll see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.